Thursday on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM, channel 159, the new home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. And all across the Sports Grid Network, I am Ben Stevens. We are here with you until noon Eastern time. NFL week number 13 begins tonight. A Thursday night between the Dallas Cowboys and the New Orleans Saints. But we also set you up for conference championship weekend in college football. We look around the Sunday slate in the NFL to give you some important games that will affect the playoff race. We go around the association with some great games in the NBA last night and tonight and look back at the Big Ten ACC Challenge and around the college hoops landscape. So many sports to dive into. So many opportunities to give you. And you know that here we bleed the winning edge. Somebody that bleeds the winning edge with me is the man just to my right. Live in studio together on a Thursday, just two days after we did this on a Tuesday. It is another edition of the early after because when Kevin Walsh is live in studio, the morning after combines with the early line to become the early after. Kevin Walsh, one of the co-hosts of the early line each and every weekday morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern time right here on the grid leading into us here on the morning after. Kevin Walsh. Great to have you back in studio. Delighted to be here. Couldn't miss out. Now listen, I mean, the people were calling. I said, look, can we get OK Dubs? At least one more. At least one more. I said, yeah, you got it. No problem here. I mean, let's get after it. It's a big Thursday. As you mentioned, a lot of interesting things going on right now in the college basketball landscape. Ooh. Like the fact that Michigan is terrible. Not great overall for Jawan Howard and co NBA delivered a lot of interesting stuff last night you love watching LaMelo Ball in a star battle with Giannis Antetokounmpo and then Thursday night football I look at two teams have the birds won a Super Bowl more recently than both groups absolutely is is that relevant here I'll let you be the judge. Well, it is relevant when you look at where Philadelphia stands in the playoff race because right now the Eagles have the eighth best odds to make the NFC postseason at plus 225. The New Orleans Saints, Mm -hmm. the home team tonight on Thursday night, the ninth best odds, only five cents behind Philly at plus 230. That goes into what we have for Thursday night football tonight. Dallas, a five-point road favorite right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook against the Saints in the Big Easy. The over-under total 47 in a hook. Kevin, both of these teams looking to get right in some form or fashion. The Cowboys have lost three of their last four games. They've only covered once in that span. The Saints have lost four in a row, again, only covering once in that span. Who do you think gets right tonight? Well, I I think it's hard to fade Dallas in this spot. One, they absolutely need the game. They've lost three of their last four. That is a good team. And them going on a three-game winning streak, I think, would be surprising. You've got a New Orleans Saints group that's really struggling right now. Struggling in this building and overall losers of four consecutive games. And what makes that four-game losing streak so incredible to me is the fact that they they beat the Bucks the yeah. game before. Like, they should not be in this spot. I guess that's the nature of Trevor Simeon coming in and taking this job. And and that, to me, is the biggest story of this game. I know the Cowboys are always the story because they're the Cowboys. But I really believe that Taysom Hill, the, the man who continues to pull down new contract after new contract somehow, some way, getting the start here and what he can do for this Saints team tonight. The young up-and-comer Taysom Hill, J.K., he's like 33. 
three years old. As we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here to the opening hour of the morning after on this Thursday right here on the grid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, and the Mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. It's Ben Stevens and Kevin Walsh right side by side right here in the studio in our Midtown Manhattan studios on this Thursday morning previewing Thursday night football. We'll dive into this game deeper, where the prop edges might be tonight, who some of the stars are back for the team that plays in the star, where you should look to find some profitability on this Thursday night. But Kevin is right. Taysom Hill is expected to get the start for the New Orleans Saints this year. Taysom Hill has thrown eight passes all year long. How can you try to find a vibe with the New Orleans Saints who are trying to buck a four game losing streak this will be the third straight game the new orleans saints have been an underdog mm. they have not covered in the past two they are four and two ats as a dog this year but kevin i also think not only does this set up for the race for the nfc postseason but you could also look at it from a perspective of the nfc conference championship race and that being mainly the dallas cowboys at plus 500 right now the fourth best odds to win the nfc conference crown mm. dallas trying to assert themselves that hey they're not just going to win the NFC East, but they have a legitimate shot to win an NFC Conference Championship. The the unfortunate thing for Dallas that they run up to is uh, they don't have a legitimate oh. chance to win the NFC. They're not good enough, and their coaching staff isn't good enough. Here's the thing, right? Matt Nagy misses a game this season because of a positive COVID test, and people go, I think I might back the Bears this week, right? Now, it's a... It's a guy who's going to be fired. We all know that. Literally any sporting event or wrestling event or any event, period, held in Illinois, they chant, fire Nagy, right? The Bears are bad. That's okay. You can't have the same temperature around Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys and think you're going to go out there and compete with the Green Bay Packers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Arizona Cardinals. Are, is Dallas going to make the postseason? Yes, of course. Are they going to win the NFC? Absolutely not. They're just, they're not good enough point blank period. The Cowboys have been dealing with some COVID issues. As Kevin mentioned, Mike McCarthy will miss tonight. He has tested positive for COVID-19, but the line really hasn't moved all that much. Still at five in favor of Dallas. Some other NFL lines to get to. That's next year on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The morning after on a Thursday continues right here on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the SportsGrid network. I am Ben Stevens, joined by Kevin Walsh in studio. NFL week number 13 begins tonight. A Thursday night football matchup between the Dallas Cowboys and the New Orleans Saints. Not exactly a short week for either of these teams. Both played on Turkey Day, so they get a full week of rest. But now we are in the second to last month of this NFL regular season. We are firmly in the month 
of December, and that means we are in the hunt for the postseason. So as we look forward, not just the Thursday night tonight in the Big Easy, but the Sunday slate for NFL Week 13, let's set you up with some lines and odds that you need to know to get ahead of here on SportsGrid. So let's begin with the first game up that I would like to discuss. The Arizona Cardinals, the top seed right now in the NFC, off a bye on the road in the Windy City in Chicago. And right now, the Cardinals a seven-and-a-half-point favorite against the Chicago Bears. And we are expecting Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins to return for Arizona. So as we look at these numbers right here, the Cardinals a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, that over-under total 45-and-a-half. I believe... Kevin Walsh is here with me in studio, not sitting just to the right of me, but Kevin, they say distance makes the heart grow fonder. You're a little bit further away from me. How do you break down this game between the Cardinals and the Bears? Well, how I break it down is at the mom. Oh, because that just, let me look at the juice that adds. Now, here's the deal. Cardinals lay seven and a half. The total's 45 and a half. What does that mean? They don't think the Bears can score. And this has been so fascinating to follow all year long to me, Ben, is the Dalton Fields battle in a very unfortunate set of circumstances, doesn't it feel like, and listen, I think we both thought Fields just should have been your guy week one. Yeah. They sh- Dalton should have been the guy. And I know he was. And then he got injured. They should have went back to him. And it's put this Bears team behind the eight ball. Their first round pick is going to the New York Giants. One of the few good things about the Giants season. And really, it's can the Bears hang? Can the Bears cover? But really, your big story Kyler Murray's return and what can we expect from Kyler Murray who hasn't played football since October it's hard to say I'm desperate to lay above a touchdown on the road with a returning Kyler Murray but Ben you know and I know you love trends as much as I do the Cardinals on the road whether it's Kyler or Colt they cover and they cover comfortably oh and they also always score 30 points part of the reason that arizona is tied for the second best record against the number in all of the nfl eight and three ats they have not covered in their last two games as a favorite however one of those games with Colt McCoy. Meanwhile, prior to Thanksgiving, when the Bears matched up against the Detroit Lions, Chicago was booked as an underdog in six straight games. Chicago as an underdog this year, porous. Two in six against the spread in the eight games the Bears have been booked as a dog. They are only covering 25% of the time. That is the worst cover percentage as an underdog in the entire National Football League this year. By the way, the 45 and a half for Chicago is one of their biggest totals of the entire year. They have played eight <laughs> of 11 games so far this season, have the Bears two and under. The next game up, Kevin, featuring another team from the NFC West. And as we look at two teams now from the NFC West, a game that slightly has in- implications for the NFC playoff picture because right now the San Francisco 49ers minus 300 to make the NFC postseason on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Kev, it seems as though the Seahawks season has already slipped away. Just three and eight straight up. And right now the Niners on the road, even in the Pacific Northwest, a three-point favorite on the FanDuel Sportsbook right at that key number three, the over-under total, 45 and a hook. Well, let's talk about that total to start here, right? 45 and a half. Niners continuing to score. I think it's three consecutive games of 30-plus points. They're playing the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks quarterback is Russell Wilson. The Seahawks have a terrible defense and are on a legendary run this year in an under team. They have cashed one over this, one over this season. 
How that is possible is beyond me. And how I can be so stubborn to still look at some of their games and go, now, now, now this one gets after. I mean, Taylor Heineke checks into a game, and I'm like, well, here, here's where we get rolling. We certainly do not. What's fascinating to me about Seattle, though, is as folks like you and I, Ben, have the conversation about what's next for Russ, is that what's going on in this locker room's mind? Because you know in sports betting, you need to try, and it's hard, to handicap the mindset of these athletes here. Because I know after Monday Night Football on the early line, we did a full segment of where is Russell Wilson going next season? The Browns, the Eagles, the Steelers, whomever it might be. Are they thinking about that in the room? Because if they are, Ben, and let's be very clear, their postseason chances are not slim. They're none. They're done in that respect. Then the Niners will run in here with smash mouth football and will run them off the field. As my father used to say, Kevin Walsh, slim to none and slim just walked out the door. That's where the Seahawks <laughs> are right now. 1,000. I'm not misprinting this. 1,000 to 1 to win the NFC West, a team that was plus 270 to win this very competitive division before the year got underway. San Francisco, by the way, as you look at that spread, they have been a favorite in nine of the 11 games so far this year. They have won three straight. They have covered in three straight, the last two as a favorite. And again, you talked about that over under total 45 and a hook. The Seahawks have the highest under percentage, nearly 91% of their games this year, hitting the under only one single over it came back week number two in overtime against the Tennessee Titans so the Niners at minus 300 have the sixth best odds right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook to make the NFC postseason the team with the seventh best odds at even money the Minnesota Vikings plus 100 to grab hold of that seventh and final NFC wildcard spot this week in a divisional duel as well the Vikings on the road in Detroit Minnesota, a seven-point favorite right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook against the Lions. The over-under total for this game, 46.5. Let's put this in perspective, Kev, because I know it's something that you dive into before we look at the spread here. The Lions' live team win total on the FanDuel Sportsbook Mm. is 1.5. The under has the juice at minus 150. For the Lions to go 0-16-1 right now on FanDuel is plus 2 50. It is shorter odds than the Lions to even win a game against the Minnesota Vikings this week. That speaks to where Detroit is as we look at the spread and total. And and Ben, really, go through that Detroit schedule. Here's the thing. I know it's the NFL, and I know teams aren't supposed to rock up and lose every single week. But so far, they have yet to win the game. Their best performance was a tie against Mason Rudolph. And if they win on the road, that's a stunner. I mean, a, a stunner. So what are the home games left? For that team, Ben, right off the top of my head, obviously this week against the Minnesota Vikings, maybe do they, do they welcome the Arizona Cardinals to town? I mean, that sounds nightmarish here. Minus 150 is obviously not ideal juice for anyone, but a winning bet is a winning bet. And I will be, look, I'll be pretty surprised if they win a game at this rate. But for them to win two is just not something I can envision. But the good thing for the Lions and maybe folks that want to back them, so seven points. They have now covered three games in a row. They're knocking on the door. But the thing about the Detroit Lions is I don't even trust them to be consistent enough in that respect. I know there will be money line sprinkles on Detroit this week. They played Minnesota in Minnesota. Lost at the gun. Lost by two. I can't do it. I don't trust them. Their offense is so consistently trash, it blows my mind. Ben, they haven't scored 
20 points since week one. Boom. The first week, the, the first six quarters of the Detroit Lions season is the most deceiving six quarters any team has ever put forward. 30-plus against the Niners, 17 in the first half against the Green Bay Packers. They were shut out in that second half against the Packers and have not even sniffed 20 points since that game. I, I Listen, you're not getting me to back the Detroit Lions outside of Jamal Williams' rushing yard props. The Lions, eight of their last nine games, two and under, because they have the third-worst scoring offense in the NFL, just averaging 15.8 points per game. But good teams win, and great teams cover. The Fighting Dan Campbells, seven and four against the numbers so far this year. More of the morning after up next, right here on The Grid. Kevin Walsh joins me back at the table. I've been lonely. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after on Sports Grid Sirius XM Channel 159. The morning after on this Thursday morning transforms into the early after because one of the co-hosts of the early line, a great program by the way, is here with me in studio. It is old K-Dubs Kevin Walsh. You can catch him and Donnie Wrightside, DRS, on the early line each and every weekday morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern time. On that show, like we do here, we talk about the smattering of sports across the landscape. We just gave you a preview for Thursday night football that begins NFL week number 13. And then Kevin at the handy-dandy side monitor breaking down games for the Sunday slate as well from a spread and total perspective. Now it's time to put the football to a bed for just a second, and we go to college basketball because this week was a marquee week for college basketball. The Big Ten Mm. ACC Challenge, the highlight of it all. And two teams, Kev, that started off the year ranked in the top 20 that had their sights not only set on a March Madness appearance, but maybe a Sweet 16, Mm. Final Four, potentially national championship run have struggled in the early going, mainly the team that was tied for the second shortest odds to win the entire national championship before the year got underway. That team would be the Michigan Wolverines because before the year got started, Michigan was tied at plus 1,200 with the second shortest odds to cut down the nets in early April as an NCAA tournament national champion. Mm. So far this year, Michigan has now lost three games, including a 21-point defeat on the road in Chapel Hill last night against North Carolina, who was also ranked to start the year, now no longer ranked, but a huge win, 72-51 over the maize in blue yesterday. Kevin, what was your takeaway? Who do you think we learned more about, UNC or Michigan? I think Michigan, and that's not a shot at UNC, give them credit for first cover of the season. Mm. That's certainly a nice way to get that job done, but Here's, the, here's my point that I've been making about college basketball. It's the reason why I feel like Gonzaga's title odds need to move backwards. The fact that Duke loses to Ohio State in that fashion, and their odds move backwards, but the Zags' odds grew shorter. It's bizarre to me the way that that pans out. But here's the thing about Michigan, is they might be bad. We Like, at the end of the day, it's possible, because... It's college basketball, it's college athletics, and there's always massive turnover. 
go through the starting lineup. Yes, Hunter Dickinson is, is back. But that's not the group last year that had a dominant regular season and made a legitimate NCAA tournament run and basically was the only Big Ten team who could be proud hey, of on. their march. Come on now. Well, now, listen, <laughs> I didn't say anything wrong. So that's the thing about the Wolverines. Now, it's early season. Things can turn around, but, I mean, go through the results here. If I'm not mistaken, three games against Power 5 opponents, three horrific results. I mean, you go to UNC, you lose by 21. Neutral against Arizona, you lose by 18. And then you host Seton Hall and lose by two. Now, you, oh, well, it was only by two. You were home. Yep. You can't lose at home like that if you're Michigan, especially as a double-digit favorite or around that mark in a basketball game here. So, that's my thing on Michigan is their title odds drop back, right? I'm not going to say 25 to 1. That's outrageous. We need to jump on it. As how You can't even guarantee that this team makes the tournament to me. I mean, when they're playing the best competition and suffering these results, it is not a strong indication of where this team might improve and get to by the end of the year because a lot of that will be in the Big Ten gauntlet. As we know every year in college basketball, the Big Ten gets hyped up because it has such a wonderful mm -hmm. conference slate. And then these teams tend to struggle in March Madness in the NCAA tournament because the Big Ten Conference has not won a national championship in men's basketball in 21 years. As much as that pains me to say, and I believe Purdue will change that this season, mm. it is still the facts right now. And Michigan has been a favorite in every game, a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road last night. In Chapel Hill, they do not cover, obviously, losing outright by 21 points. Michigan, just 2-5 and five against the spread this year in all seven games and booked as a favorite in all seven games. Not just the national championship market, Kev, where they moved from 12-1 to one to 25-1. to one. Now the 10th best odds to win the national championship. Also in the Big Ten, Michigan was a preseason favorite mm -hmm. to win the Big Ten Conference. Now plus 600, the third shortest odds behind Purdue, who was plus 135, a very short price on the Boilers, and their biggest rivals, Ohio State. So, not a great start to the year for Jawan Howard and company, who was trying to find the pieces in place, yeah. having lost guys like Mike Smith and Shondi Brown and Franz Wagner. That brought this team to the Elite Eight a season ago. Absolutely. And look, you bring on the odds in the Big Ten. And we haven't played conference games yet. And that's obviously going to be the, the difference maker here. Who knows what Illinois looks like by the time we get there. The Buckeyes, you know, were, were the early season. Man, what's going on with this team? And then they beat Duke. And I can't stress how impressive that win was. If they were going to beat Duke, right, in my eyes, it had to be they caught him sleeping early. Not come back and see Duke blow their first double-digit halftime lead in a decade, which is how that game played out. But on Purdue, and listen, I don't, I, you know how I feel about the Boilermakers in this iteration specifically. It's not a favorite in the Walsh household. No. With that being said, what are we doing with this team being dangled at 10-1 to 1 to win a national championship? Thank you. Florida State rocks up a preseason top 25 team and still a good basketball team. They're getting double digits, and you sit there, you watch that game, or pregame, maybe they can keep it within the mix, right? Maybe. No. Nearly lost by 30 to Purdue. I mean, also, if they hang another Purdue team total under 80, you, you got to ask yourself, now, what's going on here? Yep. I mean, that number's like 77 at home. They scored, what, 95, 93 points? Yep. So it's a Boilermakers team where I'm, I'm just, 
a little confused how and and again this sometimes is a good reminder that the odds are not necessarily meant to be predictive but reflective of what kind of bets they are taking how Gonzaga was able to beat UCLA and essentially everybody said yep I'll take the Bulldogs for the national championship and then decided everyone then simultaneously has turned their college basketball TVs off since who why is no one betting Purdue I won't do it I refuse to do it but why is why how are they not like in front of Duke at least then if Duke's gonna fall back due to the Ohio State loss it's puzzling to me where are the holes right now in that team Purdue opens up Big Ten play on Friday night against the Iowa Hawkeyes an unbeaten Iowa mm. to start this Over. year we'll get a little sense of how Purdue is but Purdue the most efficient offense in the country a team total of 77 and a half against the Seminoles a couple of nights ago and they scored 93 please and thank you and maybe you take some of that value to 10 to 1 to the national championship because if old K-Dubs and the Walsh family is going to be resigned to not taking any Purdue tickets I'll do it for the rest of us I'll grab all the value and all the futures on the Boilermakers why it is still that pretty of a price also outside of the Big Ten ACC challenge and one final point about that the Big Ten winning eight of the 14 games in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. You know who also struggling in the Big Ten, Kev? The Maryland Terrapins. They lost to Virginia Tech at home last night. Maryland now 30-1 to to win the Big Ten. They were 13-1, to and that was seemingly value before the year got underway. Anyway, we don't need a bag on the Terps. We know no, that's we not a favorable to thing to do here Mm-mm. on SportsGrid. As we look outside the Big Ten mm. and the ACC, Florida was unbeaten entering last night in a game against Oklahoma. And the Sooners, as a short one-point underdog, went outright 74-67, handing UF its first loss of the season. Kev, I'm not sure we can take away all that much from this game, but a nice victory for Oklahoma, who is 7-1 to begin this season, and handing Florida its first loss of the campaign. Yeah, the the bigger takeaway there is twofold. One, OU is going to be a good team this year, despite that loss to Utah State being, you know, a little bit surprising. Oklahoma on a neutral, a four and a half point favorite in that game. But I think one thing we are seeing early season is it's big to have these home court advantages back in full effect. It's going to make the difference this year in a lot of these games. And if you line up to out-of-conference Power 5 teams, and you have a team like OU with a one-point, you know, plus one, minus one, pick them whenever you get the number, you're probably, you know what, give me the home team. I feel a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more likely that they can shoot the lights out there. If I can bring up one result, though, yesterday that saw a home team pull a legitimate upset. Please do. George over Memphis. Yeah. Now, I got to tell you something, okay? This is a Memphis team that is right up my alley. Because I, I like watching college basketball freshmen. I, I want to see who is getting ready to move on to the next level, even though Imani Bates insanely can't do that at the end of this season, which blows my mind. But Jalen Durner, J- Jalen Duren and the mix. And Memphis's first five games, I'm like, oh my goodness. Uh-oh. I mean, this is that five. We're going to get excited. And then, oh no. Oh no, it's bad. I mean, Iowa State, as a double-digit dog, obliterates Memphis in the final of the Upsy NIT tip-off that was happening at the Barclay Center. Mm. Almost went. Thank goodness I didn't go. But to then go to Georgia, I get it, it's a road game. You're young. I got it. And to blow that game to maybe the worst team in the SEC Mm. is a horrifying result 
for the Memphis Tigers and people, because there's a lot of people out there who rightfully read tea leaves on Jalen Duran and Monty Bates recruiting and grabbed big numbers on them to win the national championship. And you're now just sat there, oh, boy, this is not good. And now maybe Penny can turn it around and say, hey, listen, this isn't high school. Okay, we can't just rock up and beat whomever's across the court from us there. But that is that is a red flag result to me. As much of a red flag result as we've seen so far this season. Penny and the boys, two straight losses, both of those games as an 11 and a half point favorite. And Georgia's just not the worst team in the SEC from Kevin's perspective. Booked to win the SEC with the longest odds at 5 100 to 1. We go to the professional basketball realm next here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, the new home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. And all across the Sports Grid network, I am Ben Stevens, literally alongside Kevin Walsh for the opening hour of the morning after that transforms into the early after on this Thursday morning. Both Kevin Walsh and I in studio right now in our Midtown Manhattan studios here for the grid. Kev, we just talked about college basketball. Oftentimes in college basketball, you'll see a slower paced, uglier game, low scoring. Hopefully you can get into the 70s. That was the kind of feel we had at mm. the TD Garden last night in Boston. Oh, the God. Celtics win, but they win a game 88 to 87, and they do not cover as a three, three and a half point favorite at home against the Philadelphia 76ers. Again, 88. 87 for an NBA game, Kev. What did you make of it? Uh, disgraceful. Both teams should be kicked out of the association, in my estimation there. That's completely unacceptable. I, I can't. No, I won't have this. Not my NBA, please. I beg I beg of this to not be the normal. Can we just not talk about this game? Let's just talk Bucks Hornets. I kid. This was, it's an interesting game because there was a lot of games yesterday that pulled my eyes toward the odds in the Eastern Conference. And the Sixers are plus 950. And the Celts are 30 to 1. And it is so interesting to me that Boston has been nearly eliminated in the Eastern Conference by those odds. And in some ways, you, you do get it. And again, we're, we're talking about a Celtics team com coming off of a, a win here, right? And I know that they've missed Jalen Brown for a lot of time this season. But, but there is just something about this Celtics group that is off. Maybe it's because every other day Tatum has a three-game window where he doesn't shoot better than 40% from the field. Maybe it's because I don't trust the health. Maybe it's a year one head coach and Brad Stevens is in the front office doing, I don't know, watching Indiana games. Like I, I, I it's it's so interesting to see them at that number, pause, and before you can say, what are they putting them at 30 to one? Go, yeah, yeah, I get it. I mean, when you look at the Philadelphia 76ers last night, they covered again as a three-and-a-half-point right. underdog on the road. They have covered in four of the last five games as an underdog. Meanwhile, Boston this year, 11-10-1 against the number, 9-7 ATS as a favorite. Kevin, would you be shocked to learn that last night's total of 206, 206 and a hook went under? 
<laughs> you don't say it went under. I Listen, if you, by the way, this was things I believe, right? You have a buddy out there, sent you a text, he goes, listen, I got I got you a lock tonight. Oh. I like under Celt Sixers. You, you sent him thank you text at the end of the first quarter and the second quarter and, of course, the third quarter. And when the game's over, you say, you just send me picks all week long. And you just, no matter what, he, he misses his next 10, doesn't matter. Yeah. Or she misses his next 10, doesn't. You just, you keep going. Now, on the same, if someone sent you I love over in this game, you block them for a week. Yeah, you got to block them. You're done. You don't. You don't hang out with them probably for a week no. either. Who was your friend that sent you that? John Shane? Oh no. I mean, probably. I oh, mean, okay. like, he probably had that Jason Tatum thirty plus point and a Celts win. Which All points. Didn't, yeah, didn't yeah. work out. I mean, hey, at least he shot almost fifty percent. Jason Tatum. That's not bad considering how this year has gone at times for number zero for the Boston yeah, Celtics. Zero. Also, looking around the Eastern Conference, a team that is near the top mm. of the Eastern Conference standings, rather surprisingly so far this year, tied for the second-best record straight up in the East at 14-8 and eight mm. overall. The Washington Wizards, who got a win last night over the Minnesota Timberwolves, 115-107. So, Kev, like I mentioned, the Wiz tied for that second-best mark in the Eastern Conference, mm-hmm. and they last night cover as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. They've only been a favorite in half of their 22 games so far this year. Five and six against the number as a favorite, but a win last night in the Timberwolves, although they did lose, still also relatively surprising on the other side of things in the West. Yeah, Minnesota, I, I, I think, is really fascinating because... So Washington, obviously, 14-8. and eight, Give them a world of credit here. They send out Russell Westbrook. They bring, they bring back a bunch of different pieces. Also were able to get Spencer Dinwiddie into the fold here. And they've got themselves a nice little core. Now, Kyle Kuzma, for the most part, is a guy. A hilarious play in this game the other day is a five-on-four fast break that results in a Kyle Kuzma offensive charge. That's besides the point there. Montrez Harrell has been excellent for this team. He just needs usage. It's the reality he wasn't getting it with the Lakers. He last night had 10 dunks in this game. Mm. Minnesota, little self-respect maybe. Don't let them do that. But the reason you bring up the Timberwolves, because to me there's more stakes for Minnesota this year. At the end of the day, Beal seemingly is cool being in Washington. And make the playoffs or miss the playoffs, that's not the expectation anyway. Now, Minnesota, they're not a team that we think needs to make the postseason but I don't know what Carl Anthony Towns mm-hmm. thinks and I and that of course is very important Carl had a great game 34 and 10 D'Lo not so much one of 12 from beyond the arc and three of 18 overall and this is a Minnesota team though that now at 11 and 11 he says all right we're in the mix someone called Daryl and let him know whatever it takes we need Ben Simmons because with a guy like a Ben Simmons, your defense goes up and then maybe you don't let Montrezl Harrell have 10 dunks in a single game, which is ridiculous. And the T-Wolves do maybe have some young pieces that would entice the Philadelphia 76ers. The T-Wolves have been booked as an underdog in 12 of their 22 games so far this mm-hmm. year. Did not cover last night, but 5-7 against the spread in 12 as an underdog. Quickly, Kevin, before we move on to the Thursday night slate in the association in some great games on this Thursday, the Bucks are back in action, in fact, on this Thursday on the second leg of a back-to-back. Mm-hmm. A fantastic game last night 
at home in the Pfizer Forum against the Charlotte Hornets. The Bucks winning late, a last-second layup from Giannis Antetokounmpo, 127-125 over the Buzz City Hornets. For me, I just love to watch LaMelo going toe-to-toe at one of the top stars in this sport. LaMelo is going to be the franchise guy for the Hornets. Michael Jordan couldn't even mess up that pick. It was a terrible GM, by the way. I mean, it's just the truth of the matter. Still the and, GOAT, though. Yeah, right? I mean, that's not true. But here's the thing with this Milwaukee group, and give them credit, because for two straight years, they were the best team in the NBA, record-wise, dominated the regular season. And last year, they had their lulls during that regular season, and they battled that adversity in the regular season and went into the Eastern Conference playoffs as the third seed and were able to not only win the East, but of course, win the championship. And Milwaukee had some early season struggles here, certainly related to player absences. Brooke Lopez hasn't played since the opening game. Middleton missed a lot of time due to health and safety protocols. But now winners of eight in a row and just playing with confidence for the Milwaukee Bucks. And that's really all that's going to matter for Milwaukee. And that and that's the big shift for the Bucks now. Is it they get on that level of you don't really worry that much about the regular season, right? It, that's kind of how you are about a Brooklyn Nets team. That's how you are if you're not forced to give hot takes on every single game LeBron plays. You don't worry about the regular season, again, unless that's essentially what you are paid to do. So the Bucks are in that tier, but when they are playing really good basketball, it gives you that added layer of security. If I can just bring up one more thing from last night. Please, game. yeah. Trey Young. Trey Young and James Harden were the two guys that everybody knows the NBA was looking to somewhat bring back a little bit with those rule changes. And James Harden, for the most part, I would say, Ben, is being viewed somewhat negatively. His early season performances, a 21-point-per-game score right now, not inside the top 20 across the league. Trey Young has scored 30-plus points in five consecutive games. Trey Young is averaging the fourth-most points in the league. The three in front of him, Steph Curry, the favorite to win MVP. Mm. Giannis and Durant, the co-second best odds to win that. Those three all under five to one to win MVP. The next closest is Jokic at 15 to one. Trey Young is 55 to one. 55? To win MVP. He's not going to win MVP. So this is where you battle value and CLV and cash out options versus actually winning a bet. But that is a ridiculous number on Trey Young, a legitimate star in this league who people have continued to try and throw cold water on and find reasons to doubt it. But that's a superstar. That's a reliable franchise cornerstone. No questions about it. A guy who often is forgotten when we talk about the 10 best players in the league. They try and squeeze, and I'm not trying to do a bit here, but oh, Jason Tatum's got to be top 10. No argument for him being better than Trey Young. And also, look, he's having a much better season than Damian Lillard. Lillard, who right now is clearly struggling all season long and now finds himself injured. Put respect on Trey Young's name. One of the best players, period, in the league. And even value on Atlanta's 19-1 to price to win the Eastern Conference. They made the Eastern Conference Finals last year, and had it not been to an injury for Trey Young, maybe they were more competitive against the Bucs, who were also dealing with the injury of Giannis Antetokounmpo, who played in the Eastern Conference Finals and led Milwaukee to an NBA championship. Milwaukee back in action tonight, a four-and-a-half-point road favorite on the second leg of a back-to-back, up in the Great White North against the Toronto Raptors. Milwaukee, one of those three teams tied for the second Second best straight up record in the Eastern Conference, 14 and 8 overall. Another team in that mix, the Washington Wizards, who we discussed, and a team in action not far from us here in Midtown Manhattan tonight. 
The Chicago Bulls, 14-8 and eight straight up this year. Also the third best record against the spread in the NBA so far this season. Also 14-8. and eight. The Bulls, a two-point favorite against the New York Knickerbockers at MSG tonight. Kev, the over-under total at last check, 2-11 in a hook. What do you make of tonight's matchup between Chicago and New York? Knicks are a tough team for me to back. They have a losing record at Madison Square Garden so far. The Chicago Bulls have covered and won five of their six as a road favorite. The Knicks, though, are a team that at times when it's like, ha, ah, everything's falling apart for them, Alec Burks and Evan Fournier come out and make like 10 threes in the first half, and they're up by 20 for absolutely no reason. But I want to talk a little bit about the Kemba thing if, if we have enough time. Oh. Because it is unnecessary that he is pulled from the rotation. I'm not saying that Kemba was playing great basketball. He wasn't playing great basketball. But this, to it, it, it is almost performative. Kevin Durant played every single second of the final few games of the Eastern Conference Finals and was praised for it. And I get that, but it was performative down the stretch. It was costly down the stretch. Get him two minutes of rest at the end of the third quarter, take another timeout, and let him be ready to close out a game because the Nets, if they beat the Bucs, would be the reigning defending NBA champions, and maybe Kevin Durant wouldn't leave shots short if he had his legs underneath him. It was performative down the stretch. Kemba Walker not being your starting point guard, okay, fine. To suggest he isn't still one of the 10 best players on this roster is performative. It sends a message. And when you find yourself opening a third quarter against the Brooklyn Nets in a 14-0 hole, maybe call a timeout and go to a microwave as score off the bench like a Kemba Walker. This team is all over the map right now with way more questions than answers. And it's just not a group that I am willing to back in their current state. At the Mecca last year, the Knicks were fantastic. This year, just 4-7 and seven against the spread. The Knicks played the Nets a couple of nights ago in Brooklyn. The Knicks did not win that game, but they covered in that game as an underdog, a 6.5, 7-point underdog. In fact, the Knicks have been an underdog six times this year, 4-2 and two against the number, covering by six points per game. Also, the Phoenix Suns in action tonight yeah. against the Detroit Pistons, a 12.5-point favorite for a Suns team that has won 17 straight NBA games. We round out our number one with a little college football talk. A new head coach in South Bend, that's next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We round out our number one here on the morning after on this Thursday on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens, who has been joined right alongside live in studio this Thursday morning by Kevin Walsh, one of the co-hosts of The Early Line each and every weekday morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern time right here on The Grid. I'm Ben. He's Kevin. Kevin, a huge fan of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. White Smoke. Burning in South Bend under the watchful eye of Touchdown Jesus. Why? 
because it seems a new head coach has been named. Marcus Freeman promoted from defensive coordinator for the Fighting Irish to now the head man. Tommy Reese also staying as an offensive coordinator. Nobody likes Brian Kelly. Let's talk about Notre Dame and fade the public. So, Kev, the CFP Selection Committee said that they might use the fact that Notre Dame does not have a head coach against the Irish in evaluating if Notre Dame has a realistic opportunity to play in the college football playoff. Chaos needs to happen this weekend on conference championship weekend for Notre Dame even to have a shot. But I wanted to ask the public, do you think Notre Dame has a realistic chance of making the college football playoff? Simple. Yes. No. 61% of the people at SportsGrid TV on Twitter in this active poll saying Notre Dame does not have a chance to make the college football playoff. Kevin Walsh, yeah. I'm guessing you're fading the public, huh? Well, I mean, it's, again, you hate when the public's like, hey, why don't we just let everyone know we have no idea what we're talking about, right? <laughs> because the odds for Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, and Michigan all to win in a three-leg money line parlay is plus 110. Plus 110, which means it would, it would be an upset if that happened. Uh -huh. And obviously... Bama is an underdog, right? We, right. we, we all know that. Know. So but, but this isn't even a, a take. You are wrong, public. You should be better. And also know this, public. Marcus Freeman, I, I look I look at Marcus Freeman, I go, you know what I, I think when I see Marcus Freeman? I think Notre Dame plus the points against the Georgia Bulldogs <laughs> in the open round of the college football playoff here. Oh, I mean, it's just too many points. 24 and a half it's point underdog. Points. Notre Dame covers in the college football playoff semifinal. I'm Kevin Walsh. Thank you for joining us. Hour two of the morning after up next. Out of spot a sports gaming winner. They listen to us. Don't.